everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Lighthearted. My name is Anna. And my name is Bracey. And we're two average gals chatting about what it means to grow and thrive in our daily lives. So I feel like I have to bring up what we were just talking about before we started recording, which is that we both have animals that get jealous when we are physically affectionate with our partners. I didn't even know that was a thing until this morning because Seb and I were hugging and the cat freaked out. She was like meowing at our feet. (laughs) And then when he picked her up and put her in the middle of the hug, she was just so happy. She was like, this makes sense. I don't know why you guys are doing this without me. Yeah, she was like, this is where I belong forever. Yeah, Mimi has always been like that. It's actually a way that we can get her to come back to us if she's being bad and it's at the park or something and she's running off and doesn't want to leave and knows that we're leaving. If we hug each other, she will run back immediately. That's crazy. You can actually use it as a tool. Yes. She's so jealous anytime that... If we like are holding hands, she'll come over and put her head on top of our hands. Like, it's so cute. She's like, I'm in this family. I don't know why I'm not <laughs> being involved. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, how are you growing this week? Um, I feel like it's the same as last week. I'm still reading. It didn't start with you. And it's definitely, I've slowed down a little bit on it because it's gotten into the really sciencey part before it gets into the more anecdotal parts of the book. I like it when they have both, though. I do, too. But the science stuff, I feel like I read it and I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then I immediately forget it. That's me with any book, so. <laughs> um, but I'm still definitely enjoying it. It's It's making me think about my family relationships and patterns and how things have been passed down from generation to generation, which I think will definitely lend itself to our conversation topic today. But yeah, it's interesting. What about you? This week, I have been growing by slowing down and recognizing my own limits. I had a couple of bad days. My insomnia has been bad. So we were supposed to record this episode two days ago. And I actually spoke up for myself and said, Hey, I don't think I'm in the headspace to do this. And you were like, great, because I'm not either. So that worked (laughs) out. But yeah, just basically uh, slowing down a little bit this week and recognizing when I need that. I think that's a really good point. Because I think sometimes growth feels like it has to be constant. But sometimes, yeah, just taking a break is growing. It's definitely like a two steps forward, one step back kind of situation sometimes. But the the one step back is just as valuable as the two steps forward usually. Yeah, definitely. So our episode today is about body image. And we're both really nervous. <laughs> Extremely nervous. I've had such a pit in my stomach all morning because I knew we were finally going to record. It's a hard topic, especially for women, I think. Yeah, definitely. And this is something that I actually have never really talked about in therapy. It's really? been like, yeah, it's been like an off limits topic in my brain, I think, for a long time because it feels too real or it feels like, oh, if I talk about this and admit that sometimes this is an issue for me, then I have to think about it a lot and I don't want to. I don't want to address it. Oh, interesting. I've always viewed topics that are difficult in my mind as like kind of interconnected to everything else that I do. So sometimes I feel like when I struggle with one thing, it shows up in another area of my life. So Mm. I tend to err on the side of like, let's air everything out all at once, which is maybe also not healthy. But (laughs) (laughs) I like it. You're just laying everything out there. I try. 
Well, so what would you consider your definition of beauty or how has it changed over time? I think that I don't actually think about beauty that much, at least in respect to people and like physical attributes. And I think maybe that's a self-preservation technique, but I think that I typically think that people are beautiful when I get more of a sense of like who they are as people, like their vibe or energy or whatever. Like, I think Mm -hmm. that's beautiful. I don't necessarily think too much about people being pretty, if that makes sense. Okay. Do you think that's something that you have cultivated or do you think that's just always been a part of the way that you think about things? I think it's definitely something that I've cultivated. I also think that it's possible that my relationship status has something to do with it too, because I think I used to think about whether I was attractive or whether other people were attractive more often when I was actually pursuing relationships and not in a steady relationship, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. What about you? What do you think about beauty? I think... You know, whenever I was thinking about this question and taking notes on it, I I didn't really know like what to write. I was like, I don't know what I think is beautiful. I think it, it's like, oh, I know it when I see it. I think confidence is really beautiful. Yeah. And I think when people have like a style that I really like, like I'm maybe more attracted to like clothes that people wear more than what their face looks like or something. I don't know. But as I was going through it, I was like, you know what? I think what I really think is beautiful is whatever society tells me is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like as I'm trying to think of like over the years, how I've, how I've thought about what is a beautiful body or a beautiful person has a lot to do with like, are they thin? Are they toned? And that isn't, that isn't to say that I don't think people that are not then are not beautiful because I definitely absolutely do. But my first immediate reaction is like what society tells me is beautiful is what I think is beautiful. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what is in front of our faces all the time. So it makes sense. Mm -hmm. So for example, I know that I think about that because, you know, when I was 10, that's when I went on my first diet. Wow. That's young. I like remember. (laughs) Yeah. I remember doing that. Was that like a consistent thing in your childhood or was it for a reason or? I think it was a consistent thing in my childhood because my mom was always on a diet. Like she tried every diet that exists, I'm pretty sure. And we had like all kinds of VHS tapes about ab workouts and toning your buns. And like (laughs) we had all of those things. So I think I just kind of grew up around that. And so it was just like, oh, this is what girls do. It's totally natural for a daughter to model her mom's behavior for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I think just as a disclaimer, because I know that we both are going to talk about our moms a little bit on this, and it's totally a generational thing. It's like something that was passed down because I know that my grandmother, my mom's mom, is obsessed with how people look. Yeah. And so I know that that was a part of my mom's childhood. And so it's not placing blame by any means. It's just like, this is what life is for women to some extent. Right. And has been for decades. Yeah. And longer, probably. Yeah. And my mom, I don't remember her necessarily being on diets when I was growing up. But I do know that like size and body shape seem to be a consideration. And I remember and this is one of those things that I vividly remember from my childhood is when we would shop finding like flattering clothing was a big thing and making sure I looked a certain way. And 
And that really did start young. Like I remember in middle school, I had a coach who made a comment about me losing weight and like thinning out. And the way that she said it made it seem like that was a good thing. And that Mm -hmm. was the first time in my mind that it had clicked that I should be thinner than I was. Or somebody else thought that. Right. And And people were paying attention to that. Right. And I think from there, anything that my mom said related to my body hit a little bit harder, which I know was not her intention, but it just was what it was. Yeah. And I think, too, when you start to believe something about yourself, you are constantly like collecting evidence to prove that that's true. Yeah, you're totally right. And I think... And I actually just realized this recently, but I think basically my whole trip with my body over the last 20 years Mm -hmm. is that I have really identified with the idea that I'm big, like I'm a big person. And it never occurred to me to even look at that and or that it might not be true or that it might not be a big deal. Sure. It's just something that you were like, oh, I've just accepted this about myself. Except for I've accepted it about myself and I've shamed myself for it at the same time. Yeah. Another thing I remember from my childhood is that in the sixth grade, there was this thing in our middle school. It was called an Alpine Tower. It was like 50 feet high and you would put on like rock climbing gear and he would like belay you up and you got – it was really cool. And so the week that it was my turn, I was with this girl named Sarah and – There was a part up at the top where you could both stand on two ends of a log and try to, like, get the other person to, like, fall off. Like, they're not going to go anywhere because they're safe. But, um, and I remember I was able to, like, get her to lose her balance and fall off or whatever. And she said, well, you could only do that because you're fatter than me. Oh. And I was like, oh, my. And I'm like, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that this girl called me fat, even though I know I absolutely wasn't. But. It just was like, oh, I am. I need to lose weight. I need to go on a diet. Like that. It starts so young. Yeah. I mean, that my association with the word big started the exact same way. I was playing soccer and I hip checked a girl out of bounds and her coach got mad at her and she screamed, that big girl hit me. And I was like, well, okay. Oh, gosh. That's so awful. And it's, it's crazy because there's so many like little interactions that can really change somebody's life. And the pers- the other person involved probably has no memory of that. And also probably didn't even really mean anything mean by it most of the time. Like, they could say something and have no ill intent, and it would still trigger somebody. Like, it's crazy that, you know, we pick up things like that. Yeah. I think, too, in middle school is when I kind of started to develop this fear of eating in front of people. And I think it stemmed from not wanting people to think I was fat because I needed to eat, which doesn't make any sense. You know, like we obviously need to eat to survive. But so for lunch, I would always skip lunch, but I would eat this like double chocolate chip muffin that was probably like a thousand calories or something. (laughs) But in my mind, it was like, oh, I'm just eating this muffin. So I'm not really eating a lot. Yeah. It's just one muffin. It's not like four other things. Right. And all these other people are eating like a full meal at lunch, like normal people. But I remember, I don't know if like a teacher told my mom I wasn't eating or maybe she just came into the lunchroom once when I was in there. My mom worked at the middle school and she was like, oh, you need to eat something. And so what I started doing is I would get a sandwich bag from home and I would smear peanut butter into the bottom of it. 
And then I would just set it out at lunch every day so that if my mom came in again, I would be like, oh, I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Wow. You really planned this. I did. Yeah. I was, and I wouldn't eat at sleepovers that I went to in middle school. Like I might eat like some fruit or grapes or something that they had out, but I wouldn't eat. I would just be like, oh, I'm not hungry. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Food is so complicated. And I think that part of the reason why I got out a little bit less traumatized than other people, specifically around food, is because I love it so much. Like there was no, like I never could have done that because I love to eat. So it was, (laughs) there was no like, (laughs) I'm just going to not eat. Like that's not a thought that ever enters my brain. (laughs) Yeah. And I am somebody that I don't would never consider myself like a foodie. Like I love to eat good food, but I don't care that much about what I'm eating. And I don't know, or I'm sure that that is probably because of like my relationship with food in my childhood is like, oh, I just like don't care about it or I don't want to care about it. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe. Yeah. I also think that food is so cultural and like central to even like family stuff that it can be either really damaging or really awesome. And I'm lucky that I come from a family, they all of us love to eat. And we do have good cooks in my family and like traditions around food. And your mom can make the most killer charcuterie board out of absolutely nothing. I've totally been over like randomly one time and your mom's like, Oh, let me just pull out all these amazing things out of the fridge. So unprepared, but not at all. Like, it was amazing. She is a charcuterie queen. That's true. But I think because of that, I just have such an appreciation for food. And I don't mind associating it with comfort, which I think most people would say is a bad thing. But it's not comfort eating. It's that food feels like home and family and comfort. Yeah. Which, yeah, you're right that our society has absolutely deemed certain foods as bad. Yes, that's a that's a whole nother story. And I think that um, one of the th- good things that I've done for myself is untie the idea of food being like certain food being bad or being too high in calories. I try not to think about calories ever anymore. Like, yeah, because for a long time, at least I went on my first real serious diet in college. I gained a lot of weight freshman year and then felt like I needed to get it off, obviously. And I went on a low carb diet and it worked, but I, it also was terrible for me. It gave me insomnia and like all this other stuff. And it it was absolutely not healthy. When you look back on college now and you know, you just said like, oh, I gained a lot of weight. Now, would you consider it like, oh, I gained a lot of weight still? Or was it like, oh, my body just like changed some and maybe you gained 10 pounds, but it's not that crazy. I wouldn't say, okay, maybe a lot was not the right descriptor, but I definitely gained it more weight than I should have. And it was because I was eating too much ice cream in <laughs> the um, so dining hall. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think it was healthy for me to have gained all of the weight that I gained freshman year, but I also really shame myself for it and shouldn't have punished myself with the diet that I was on. Yeah. And I think what ended up happening was I started to associate certain foods with like a number with a calorie number. And then Mm. the higher that number was, the worse, quote unquote, worse the food was. Right. And that was a really hard thing for me to break, but it was really important for my recovery. Yeah. 
I want to go back to family really quickly before we like get too far out of childhood. Was did you grow up in a family that like ate dinner together every night and your mom cooked every night? Like what was that like growing up or like what kinds of foods did you have in the house? Yeah, for the most part we ate as a family. We were always pretty busy with like sports and stuff and my mom owned her own business, so she was busy, but yeah, we ate together for the most part and my and my mom is a good cook and all of that. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel like I had any like real hangups around that. What about you? I don't think we did. I don't have a lot of memories of us all eating as a family. And my sisters and I are pretty spread out in age. Mm -hmm. And so that might have been part of it that, yeah, like my oldest sister was in high school when I was in elementary school. So it's like, you know, she was doing sports and had other stuff going on. Um, And same with my middle sister. But I do remember when we would eat together, a lot of the times it was because there was a new diet in the house that was like, oh, I need to cook tilapia and that's when we would eat together but i feel like for most of my childhood it was just kind of like eat whatever you want which was a lot of junk food (laughs) a lot of like bagel bites and cereal and pop tarts and well let me ask um, you this since you didn't eat lunch would you come home and then just like pick out on whatever was in the house oh absolutely eat like 18 bagel bites bagel bites (laughs) and so but yeah i mean it's weird because it's like i I think I ate breakfast probably. I don't really remember. But then, yeah, I would go to school, eat a muffin, and then I would go to practice for like volleyball or basketball. And so I wouldn't get home until probably like close to dinner time and be like absolutely starving. Yeah. I'm just remembering that I had a coach in high school who would take us to Wendy's before games sometimes, but she wouldn't let us get before? anything. Yeah. But she wouldn't let us get anything except for either a potato, like a loaded baked potato, or a salad. Like, we couldn't get french fries. We couldn't get a chicken sandwich or a burger. Which part of me is like, okay, I get that. Like, you don't want to put a bunch of greasy food in your body before you're about to try to perform in a sport. But that's weird to me that you would go to Wendy's before the game. Why wouldn't you go after? I don't know. But I just now looking back on it, I think, like, who are you to be telling anybody what to put in their body? That's a great point. I also had a different coach who, after I ordered a foot long at Subway, looked at me and was like, are you going to eat that whole thing? And I was like, hell yeah, I am. <laughs> That's a really good example, though, I think, of things that people say that they don't realize. Um, Would hurt somebody's feelings. Or yeah, like, like oh, impact eat all that? Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Because, yeah, it totally is sending this message of like, you shouldn't eat all that. You don't need it. Yeah, I mean... I have a big appetite and I always have and I do sometimes still think maybe I should eat less than I want to but one of the things that I focus on now is eating what I want when I want and eating till I'm full and not eating more because I used to eat more than I needed to like I ate until I was really full and now I know to stop earlier than that. One thing that I still do along those lines is if I am out to eat with somebody who orders something that's like healthier than what I order. Or if they order before I order, I'll change my order. Mm. Or I will try to eat the same amount as them. Like if they are only going to eat half, then I'm only going to eat half, even if I'm technically still hungry. Otherwise, I'm like, oh, I feel guilty or I feel shame that I want to eat more. Right. Because I shouldn't need to or what, like I put a lot of shoulds around it when it doesn't need to be like that. 
Yeah, I feel that same way occasionally with Seb because sometimes when we eat the same amount, I'm like, well, he's a man, so like I should eat less than him. But that's mm. not real. Yeah. Well, on the topic of food, do you have any trigger foods? I don't know. When you say trigger foods, do you mean foods that make my body feel bad? I think I meant food that makes your maybe unhealthy thoughts about your body kick up. Okay, definitely. I think anytime I eat a lot of like carbs and dairy, I'm automatically, my brain is like, that's not healthy. So it's an association that those foods are bad. Yeah, definitely. Even if, and it's such a pathway like that has just been created in my brain because it's not, I don't even think I'm actively like, oh, dairy's bad. Bread is bad. I'm not having those conscious thoughts, but my, it's like I'm skipping that step. And it's just immediately like, oh, I shouldn't have eaten all of that because now tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to weigh more. Yeah, I'm the same way with cheese fries specifically. I love them so much and I still eat them (laughs) because I crave them and like I can do what I want. But yeah, sometimes when I eat them, I'm immediately after I'm like, oh, I really shouldn't have done that. What um, do you get on your cheese fries? Bacon and cheese and ranch. Is there any other way? I mean, I know you don't eat bacon, but. Yeah, I would vote for pimento cheese on them. Oh, right. Pick the type of cheese. Yeah. It's funny, too, because I don't really struggle with any of those ingredients individually, like fries. I don't worry about bacon. I don't worry about cheese. I don't have a problem with ranch is fine. And Mm -hmm. it's just the combination of all of them, I guess. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is too much. Yeah. So at this point in your life, like, do you feel. Like you're in a pretty healthy relationship with your body. How do you keep yourself there? I feel like I have improved a lot, especially in the last year or so. The last few years, I've really had a love-hate relationship with my body. I know that I can lose weight if I try to, but it just feels so hard and annoying and like frustrating to try to do that. And then I also, on top of that, feel guilt for wanting to because I feel like this whole body positive movement, you're supposed to just love your body all the time, which I don't actually think is realistic or healthy either. I used to just, I used to just feel really bad about my size. And actually for a long time, like five or six years, I was going to Orange Theory, which I loved and it was a fun and challenging workout. But it was causing me to burn out. And so I ended up quitting because I was just exhausted every time I went. And just after that period, I took some time off from working out at all. And it kind of challenged me to look at the thoughts I had about my body and why I was so frustrated all of the time. And I know this sounds kind of crazy, but I basically just threw everything out the window. Like I was like, this is stupid. I'm just going to not work out, not think too much about food, and not worry about whether I gain weight or not. I like literally had to throw everything out and just say, screw it and just see what happens. Yeah. Even though that was terrifying because I was like, surely I'll gain 100 pounds if I do this, (laughs) which is not what happened. It actually turns out that my body kind of stays around the same weight, no matter whether I'm working out or eating well or whatever. It's just is what it is. Yeah. I think there's a lot of genetics at play as well and how much you weigh because I feel like yeah, I'm like kind of genetically I've done one of the 23andMe DNA tests and my weight is genetically just like 
I should be like pretty much average for my height. Mm -hmm. And I kind of always have been like, I mean, I think everybody fluctuates, of course, like five to 10 pounds in either direction, but it's just kind of always the same, even if I'm eating really healthy or not. Yeah. And one of the other things I realized is that I just care more about having the freedom to do what I want and not having to restrict myself or shame myself for what I was eating than losing weight. I just that I made the choice that that was what I cared more about. And I think that was a healthy decision for me. Yeah. I definitely don't think I'm totally there where you're at yet. But I think I go through cycles where I'll spend a few months where, yeah, I'm just kind of like, I'm just going to eat what I want. Like, I feel happier that way. We don't have a scale, which I think is really good for both of us. But when I was home, we do have a scale there. And I weighed myself like every day. <laughs> like. You know, I like get on and I'm like, cool, I gained a pound or cool, I lost two pounds. And it's like, none of that is even real. It's just like random fluctuations based on like water intake and did I go to the bathroom? (laughs) Like it's just, Mm -hmm. but I place value in it and I wish I could stop, but I'm not there yet. Yeah. Um, But then I think I'll go through cycles where I really don't feel good about my body and I want to spend more time working out and I want to spend more time focusing on what I'm eating and how many calories it is. And then I'll do that for like a month and it's super restrictive. And then I'll kind of pull out of it and be like, oh, I'm just going to eat whatever I want. And so it's very cyclical, but I think I definitely spend more time out of that cycle now of like just eating what I want and doing what makes me feel good and not worrying about what I look like as much. Yeah, I think it's hard too because sometimes you do just feel uncomfortable in your body and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. It's also okay that you want to feel better. Like, yeah, I, it took me a long time to come around to the idea that I'm allowed to want to look and feel good in my body. And if that means that I want to make some changes to my diet, that's fine too. I think one of the big things for me really big and helpful things for me in the past year has been not worrying about whether a food is going to make me gain weight or not, but just moving towards foods that are more natural, like closer to the earth, for lack of a better term. Yeah. And making sure that I get some of that every day. And that makes me, it makes the guilt go away. Like if I'm focusing on getting the nutrients that I need, then I don't worry so much if I eat ice cream at night. It's all about balance. And the other thing about the scale is we don't have a scale either, but one of the things that I have struggled with most with numbers in general is that I am only ever weighed at this point when I go to the doctor and I feel like the doctor is going to shame me for that number. And that sucks. Yeah, I definitely now because we don't have a scale, I get anxiety when I go to the doctor because I know they're going to weigh me and I just don't have any idea what it's going to be like. I'm like, oh, am I going to get on the scale and be happy? Or am I going to be like, oh my gosh, I need to lose 10 pounds. I've been eating, my eating's been out of control and I'm just going to like get into this spiral. And I totally have the, when I'm in that like negative body image space, I'm totally like, if I weighed this amount or if my body looked like this, I would be happier, which isn't true. But like that is totally the message that our society has been shoving in our brains our entire lives. Well, we also have this association with then being healthy and like, has the doctor ever said anything to you about your weight? No, never. And see, mine has without ever asking if I exercise or what my diet looks like. And that makes me really angry. Mm. 
because like you don't know if I'm healthy or not if you're not asking the full for the full picture. Right. And like weight is not the only element of health by any means. Right. I think too one thing that happened over Christmas that was weird is and I think was actually like a healthy response <laughs> in my brain was that my grandmother has this lady who's I think she's in like her late 70s and she comes over and just sits with my grandmother so that my mom can go run errands and whatever. And she's really nice. But our first interaction, like, I don't even know if I was like, hey, I'm Anna. Like, I don't even know if that happened yet. She just immediately commented on my body. What? Immediately. And apparently my mom had told me that she is pretty obsessed with her weight and feels like she's gained a lot of weight and talks about it a lot. So obviously this is like an issue for her and is something that she hasn't dealt with. But yeah, she said, she was like, oh, you're really skinny. Do you do you not eat anything? How do you stay that way? Cool. And I just was like, I can't believe this person just said that to me. Like I wanted to say like, yeah, I have an eating disorder and that's why I'm skinny, even though that's not true. But I just wanted to say something shocking of like, because she could have said it to somebody that that was true for her and it would have been really hurtful to them. Absolutely. I was just like, I don't know why you're commenting on my body. Like, yeah, it just felt really icky. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like people just feel like it's okay to talk about people's bodies and it is absolutely not okay. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so funny story related to food and weight and body image. I don't know how you felt about moving in with Taylor, but moving in with Seb was an adjustment for me because he keeps ice cream and Reese's <laughs> and baked goods in the house a hundred percent of the time. He eats more sugar than any person I've ever met in my life. And of course, you know, he doesn't gain any weight because he's just no, naturally thin. He, yeah. But I had to like really learn to curb my, my sweet tooth and like learn more self-control than I previously had. So that's been fun. Well, and I feel like you should share about Seb's eating habits before you guys met. Or I guess not before you <laughs> met, but he is not like a typical eater. That's true. Um, before we met, he basically ate sandwiches for dinner every day. And like he could eat the same thing every day. And I, I, I'm not like that. But now, even now, he really only eats one meal a day. So yeah. He wakes up, he goes to work, he doesn't take a lunch break, and then at night we have dinner together. And it's crazy. And then he eats ice cream. Yeah, so he <laughs> also, he has a bowl of ice cream almost every night. And when I say bowl, I mean a heaping bowl of ice cream. Like, he eats a third to half a container in a sitting. Of a gallon? Yeah, like those, yeah, bri- like, like the, the Briars container or whatever. I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he also loves to bake. So he bakes caramel bars. His caramel bars are really good. He makes brownies a lot. His mom and my mom always keep us in Reese's because he eats a lot of them. So, <laughs> yeah, this Seb and I are twins about the the sweet tooth because I absolutely adore sugar. I mean, same. I love chocolate, like love chocolate, and I do eat sweets a lot. Like maybe four out of seven days a week, mm-hmm. but. I just don't eat them in the quantity he does. And if I <laughs> if I hadn't learned that self-control when we first moved in together, then I would be screwed. But would you? Or is that just your brain telling you that you would be screwed? Okay, fine. Let me rephrase that. I'm already addicted to sugar. If I didn't have some means of self-control, yeah, no, then no, no, like... I get you. I get you. All your teeth would fall out. Yeah. Before, I 
couldn't not eat what was in front of me if it was sweet. Mm, okay. Yeah, I, I get that. I feel like yeah, I've definitely learned self-control in that sense. But yeah, it's not easy. I did, um, her Taylor and I did Whole30 a couple of years ago. And I think if I'm being totally honest, that that absolutely had like a dual purpose of I wanted to lose a little bit of weight that I had gained. And I also have a history of um, migraines. And so I was also trying to figure out if I was eating something that was triggering them. So if it was, I could stop eating it because it was getting out of hand. But in that, I, I didn't go into it thinking that I was addicted to sugar, even though I feel like everybody kind of is, but it's so addicting. Yeah. But, and it's in everything, but by probably like day 10, I would have like chewed my arm off to have (laughs) a piece of candy. Like I missed it so much. That was like definitely the hardest part of it for me. Yeah. Diet changes are so interesting because I think I mentioned this once on the podcast already, but at the beginning of the year, I had decided to make some changes in my diet specifically to help with some health, including my insomnia. Mm -hmm. And that sort of changed. And because of that, I was like, well, this diet is pointless. So I came off the diet and I feel like coming off the diet was almost harder. It was like a, a trigger just like anything else. It was like, okay, well, now I feel like I'm quote unquote eating all these bad things because I'm not on this diet anymore. And that was hard. Totally. Yeah. I remember when, yeah, it was like the 30 days was coming to an end and I was like, oh my gosh, but like, what do I eat now? Like, is it okay for me to eat this stuff? Am I just going to like gain all this weight back immediately? Like it, yeah, it was hard to come off of it because I feel like my brain had been like, oh, you're eating so good now. Yeah. The other thing that I've done for myself that I think has been very, very helpful, but also very hard is stopping the mental loops and negative thinking about my body. Um, I was for a while just really beating up on the way that I looked and Mm -hmm. it was so unhealthy. Like it was more unhealthy than any amount of sugar I could ever eat. Yeah. And so first of all, just cutting out those thoughts, just nipping them in the bud, like I'm not going to entertain those thoughts. And then the other thing I did was I heard about mirror work. Have you ever heard of that? Mm -mm. It's affirmations basically that you say in the mirror. So it's supposed to trigger something in your brain that, is like you're you're actually telling yourself the affirmation. And so the one that I really like was I love and accept my body. And I said it in the mirror in the morning and it mm-hmm. really helped. It seems like it would be the smallest, maybe not consequential thing, but it really did help. And another thing was I started kind of reframing what my body as a physical vessel does for me. And thinking about that has really changed the way I see things, like thinking of my body as doing me a service. And even the thought of my body is going to be able to grow a human and like expand our family. That seems like obviously not something we're doing right now, but it seems like such a huge thing that my body can do. And it it's kind of amazing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's it's completely incredible. I feel like it's overwhelming even to like really think about. Yeah. And so that thought kind of and and things like that, like just just remembering all of the things that my body does for me, it kind of 
felt like I had a teammate instead of like an enemy. I like that. Yeah. It's like kind of like shifting your thoughts about your body to be more like, I'm grateful that it uh, for all the things that it does for me. Yeah. I, I think that I had to kind of ease myself into it because going straight to gratitude from where I was was not possible. I, you know, when you go from beating yourself up about something, you can't just love it all of a sudden. Right. But I slow rolled myself into it, I think. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I feel like in the last couple of years for me, one big thing has been getting rid of clothes that don't fit me mm-hmm. anymore or that don't or I don't like how they look on me and they make me feel bad about myself. Yeah. And so I, you know, I feel like for a long time I would hold on to like my skinny jeans is what I would call them, which yeah. I think is like a pretty common term and be like, Oh, I'll be able to fit into these or when I can fit into these, I'll be skinny. Mm-hmm. Um, Even just that label is hard. I think too, I haven't read this book. But there's this book called Trick Mirror, and it just, yeah, you talking about the mirror thing just made me remember it. But I'm just going to read the description because I'm going to butcher it, if not. And our friend Julia actually told me about this book. And it says, Trick Mirror is an enlightening, unforgettable trip through the river of self-delusion that surges just beneath the surface of our lives. This is a book about the incentives that shape us and about how hard it is to see ourselves clearly in a culture that revolves around the self. In each essay... Gia writes about the cultural prisms that have shaped her, the rise of the nightmare, social internet, the American scammer as millennial hero, the literary heroine's journey from brave to blank to blitter, the mandate that everything, including our bodies, should always be getting more efficient and beautiful until we die. Hmm. And it has really good reviews. I'm excited to read it. I think it'll be eye-opening. All right. Well, let me know how it goes. Yeah, I will. Okay. So we found this post on Instagram, our constant source of inspiration. (laughs) about 13 signs you're healing your relationship with food. And I thought it would be fun to go through them. Let's do it. Okay. You can eat without feeling guilty. Sometimes. I think I can eat without feeling. um, I think when I'm eating, I don't feel guilty. But after, I sometimes feel guilty. How often? Oh, gosh. It depends on what cycle I'm in. Okay. I would say that most of the time I eat without feeling guilty. Okay. I'm going to say 60-40. Okay. You can cook with regular ingredients. Yes. Yes. The only quote-unquote diet thing that I do now is I use Splenda in my tea, but that's mostly out of like habit habit and convenience. And then I also still drink diet soda, but that's... Yeah. It's whatever. Everybody can have a few vices. Uh, soda is, I would consider to be a, a vice. Like I, I like regular Coke, but I also really like Coke Zero and Diet Coke. So I just yeah. drink what I want. Yeah. You're able to make spontaneous food choices. Yes, I think so. Do you think a whole lot about what you're going to eat? Like, do you turn it over in your mind a lot? Mm, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. Me neither. You added back previously off-limit foods. Um, with the exception of meat, I guess. I mean, yeah, there's definitely been food groups that I've eliminated for a period, but I don't, there isn't anything off limits now other than meat. You are flexible with eating at unplanned hours. I would say for the most part, but if it's like pretty late, I definitely will sometimes just be like, let's just drink water and go to bed. I can't sleep if I'm hungry at night. I also just don't really eat until I'm hungry. Like I don't Mm -hmm. eat at all until I'm hungry. So some days... I don't eat breakfast. Some days I don't even eat lunch until like two. I don't think about it. 
I just eat yeah. when I'm hungry. Would you say that you subscribe to like the intuitive eating movement? I don't I think I movement, think but... about it that way because I think that even sounds like a regiment, you know, like I don't even, I don't want anything to look like a diet if I'm trying to avoid that diet mentality, I guess. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. You welcome all types of food into your home. Yes. Yeah. I think I touched on this. I used to just not buy sweets if I wanted to avoid them. Now I can't do that. So I feel like there's no caps on what we eat in our house anymore. Yeah. Well, okay. If you're free, if it's like that, we definitely avoid having sweets and like junk food snacks in the house because they will not make it past 24 hours. Yes. Didn't you say that you will just pound soda if you have it in the house? Yes. And see, I have, (laughs) and see, I, I have this unwritten rule that you're not supposed to have more than one soda a day. Like that's a thing in my head, which I guess is maybe still bad, but I don't really care. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think it's just, yeah, when all growing up, like we always had soda in my house and there weren't, I mean, not that my mom was like guzzle soda nonstop, (laughs) but I just don't remember there being like restrictions on it necessarily. I don't I don't think I had restrictions on it either that I can remember. I just I think in my head it's it's bad because it has so many chemicals and stuff in it. So I'm <laughs> yeah. like, well, I probably shouldn't drink more yeah. than one of these a day. Okay. You have increased body attunement. Um do you I feel attuned to your body? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think I listen to my body. Yes. Yeah, I would say I'm like a maybe 7 out of 10 on this one. Okay. You honor taste hunger when not physically hungry. I've never heard it phrased like that, taste hunger. I, I feel that all the time. Like I want something to eat, but I'm not physically hungry. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. All the time. I feel like especially if I am know I'm going to eat in like an hour, I will be like not actually hungry, but I'm like, oh, I just want a snack. But do you eat the snack? Um, probably most of the time. Yes. Yeah. I would say that I do most of the time too. You can eat greens without feeling morally superior. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I always feel better if I have greens than what I'm eating. But I think again, that's my like closer to nature I can get the better. It just makes me feel like I'm doing something right for my body. Yeah. Not that I'm morally superior. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think that's the phrasing that is making me giggle. Yeah. Um, yeah. You feel neutral around hunger. Mm, I would say most of the time. I think I'm sure there are definitely times when I'm like, oh, I feel hungry. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be hungry, especially if it's like, oh, I just ate like two hours ago or something like that. Yeah, but there's certain foods that like sushi for me when I eat sushi, I'm almost always hungry like after. I feel like sushi makes me feel so full, but I will eat all of it because. I yeah, so it makes you. Or, well, it makes me feel so full immediately but then in like two hours i'm hungry again okay Hmm. i'll have to pay attention the next time i eat sushi and see if that happens for me i don't remember but yeah i feel like i'm pretty neutral around hunger for sure okay you allow yourself to eat until satisfied 95 percent of the time yes i would say yes that i do and if i err on any side it's eating too much not not enough (laughs) yeah because i'm like oh this is delicious i'll just have a little more (laughs) yeah let me just keep going you experience decreased food preoccupation, which I think means you just don't think about food yeah, as much um, as you used to. 
again, I think it depends on like what cycle I'm in. Okay. What do you think triggers your cycles? Like what makes you in uh, like a... I think if it's been like a few days where I've just really eaten whatever I wanted and not thought much about like, oh, I should probably eat some vegetables or whatever. Or if like my pants feel tight or something like that, that can trigger me to be like, oh, I need, what am I doing? Do you feel like if you just let yourself eat whatever you want, then you just won't eat anything healthy? No, because I think in general, I'm a fairly healthy eater, but I think I will eat more fattening foods okay, or more foods that would make me gain weight. Okay. And that triggers you? That triggers me, yes. Okay. That's something that I had to come to terms with when I did throw out everything exercise and diet related was I just had to come to terms with if I was going to gain weight from eating what I wanted, then I was going to gain weight, but it didn't happen. So that was nice. Yeah. And the last one is you can be present during meals. Absolutely. 100%. (laughs) Would love to be present during meals. I love to be present during meals because (laughs) mealtime is one of my favorite times of the day. (laughs) It's a good time. (laughs) Well, was that as hard as you thought it was going to be? I feel like my body has been tense the whole time we've been talking, but I think it was good. I was excited about, I was definitely nervous, but I was very excited about this episode because I feel like it's not something I normally talk about, but I feel like it's an important topic that impacts everybody. Yeah. Even men, even though we don't talk about men as much, but. I would say that men struggle maybe just as much as women do. Yeah. Well, this went better than I thought it was, and I have a lot of thoughts on body image in general, but we're going to have our friend Julia on the podcast as a little bonus episode. And I'm so excited. Yeah. It's going to be really, really, really good. Julia is a registered dietitian and works in an eating disorder clinic. So, And her work is really fascinating, truly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We got to talk to her a little bit about it over the weekend because we were testing audio. And then at the end, I was like, why did we not just record this? Because everything (laughs) she said was so interesting. Yeah, I can't wait for that. So be on the lookout for that later this week. And thank you so much for listening. You can email us with any questions, concerns, stories, feedback, (laughs) encouragements. (laughs) The list goes on at likeheartedpodcast at gmail.com. And you can follow along with us at Lighthearted Pod on Instagram. Thanks, y'all. Talk to you later.